Amen. While you're still standing, if you'll find your Bibles once again and turn to Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. We turn to a famous story of Zacchaeus. Let me read for us verses 1 through 10. Would you hear God's holy word from the Gospel of Luke? He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is God's word for us. You may be seated. God, would you bless and add your understanding to the reading and the preaching of your holy word. Uh, May we see in it this Jesus who came to seek and to save the lost. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good storytellers know that if you want something to be universally applicable, you have to actually get very specific in the way that you describe, whether you're writing a nonfiction account or a fictional account or it's a scene in a movie. Let me give two examples, one more general and one more specific. You know, if the author says, you know, everyone knows what it's like to be stuck listening to a relative after a big family meal, You might nod and say, yeah, I kind of know what that's like. Uh, But if the author instead says, there I was, glued to the chair as if by gorilla glue, as my older uncle cleared his throat for his fourth story about his third business, (laughs) I looked at the clock as it ticked ever slower and wondered if my uncle had the power to slow down time. Now you're in the story, right? And you're thinking, I know exactly what it's like. Even if I don't have an uncle who told that story, I have that uncle, though. (laughs) Um, The gospel writers know this, too. And I love our story here because it it zooms in on this man, Zacchaeus. And, And the details given are very specific and, and somewhat whimsical. In the sense that Zacchaeus, as we sing uh, in a different song about him, was what? A a wee little man. (laughs) And I love that the gospel writers, uh, this points to the fact that the gospel speaks to the details of our life. If Jesus came to Jericho for Zacchaeus, what does that have to say about what he does in your life? 
both once and for all. But what is he doing right now? If he cared about the details of Zacchaeus' life, what about your life? If this Jesus who came to seek and to save the lost came for Zacchaeus, has he come for you? And that's really the point of our message this morning. Jesus came to seek and to save. We see Jesus in action in our passage. And in the five points that we're going to look at, we're going to look at different aspects as we move through the text. So number one, Jesus came to seek and to save sinners. Jesus came to seek and to save sinners. And really, we're coming to a climactic point in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, If you've been following along or if you've read Luke at at some point, uh, when Jesus says, "I, I came to seek and to save the lost, this isn't the first time that we're hearing this in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus has talked about his purpose is to come and to help those who know they are sinners, who have need of repentance. Over and over again, he has told us his purpose. And this is reaching a climax. He's coming closer and closer to Jerusalem. In just a few verses, we will be in or near Jerusalem as we come to the triumphal entry. Uh, By verse 28, we will be there. And so last week's message, or two weeks ago, the beggar who called out for Jesus and found salvation, and now Zacchaeus, we have these two stories of two outcasts of society finding salvation in Jesus Christ. And for the Gospel of Luke, at least, these are the last two such accounts, the last miracle account with the beggar, and this is the last meal account, as it were, as Jesus goes and dines with a sinner who finds salvation. And so we're coming to a climax in the Gospel of Luke. But it's amazing to think Jesus entered Jericho, and in one sense he entered Jericho for Zacchaeus. Uh, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, but Jesus came to seek and to save Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, uh, this man who was vertically challenged. Jesus came for him specifically. And so when we say that Jesus came to save sinners, it's, it's so good. And, and in our reform circles, we often, in a good way, we emphasize the corporate nature of that. We are part of God's people. A Jesus died to purchase for himself a people of his, for his own possession, zealous for good works. And, and we're counted as part of that people. And indeed, he, he later says that Zacchaeus is a, a child of Abraham, part of the true Israel. So th- it's so good that we emphasize that, but it's also good that we emphasize that Jesus came, uh, not just for a group of sinners of whom Zacchaeus just happens to be a part of, but for Zacchaeus himself, right? It, 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 it's the difference between the CEO of a company who comes to the annual company party and you know, he's very gregarious and uh, makes his way around the crowd. And, and uh, when, he, when he greets you, he has to lean in and read your name tag and say, well, thank you, John, for being part of this company. <laughs> Whereas Jesus comes, and as he says in the Gospel of John, he calls us by name. He knows us by name. He calls us by name. He chose us before the foundation of the world. Jesus came for Zacchaeus which means if you belong to him, he came for you, specifically. Jesus came to seek and to save you. He came to seek and to save Carol, and he came to seek and to save Tom, and he came to seek and to save Emmett. 
He came to seek and to save Savannah. He came to seek and to save you. And isn't this incredible? We see this in the text. Jesus enters Jericho. He's passing through. Uh, he's just healed the, uh, the blind beggar. And we meet Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector. Uh, and he is rich. <laughs> uh, Luke is laying on the details. This is the only time we see in the New Testament, uh, or even in Greek literature at the time, this term chief tax collector. Uh, I think Luke knows this is his last story of a tax collector coming to know Jesus in his gospel, and so he's laying it on thick. He's, he's a chief tax collector. And by the way, he's rich. <laughs> Seeming barriers to him coming to know, and yet Jesus came to seek and to save Zacchaeus. He came to seek and to save sinners like you and me. And so Jesus came to seek and to save sinners. Number two, he came to seek and to save seekers. He came to seek and to save seekers. Now, we don't mean that uh, everything Jesus did was, you know, quote, seeker-sensitive, uh, as in, you know, Jesus looked at the crowds and said, how do I manipulate my message so that it could be most appealing to the most number of people? No, often Jesus would preach and people would clear the room. So that's not what we mean, but look at Zacchaeus here. Look at Zacchaeus in contrast to uh, so many people that we've seen, the Pharisees, the, uh, the religious leaders, those who knew their Bible. Uh, they knew who the Messiah was supposed to be, and yet they've been rejecting him and closing their eyes and stopping their ears and saying, I don't want any of this. Or the rich ruler from verse you know, 18 in that section who goes away sad when Jesus asks him to give everything and follow him. Look at the contrast here. First, the blind beggar that we saw a few weeks ago, who is, he hears Jesus coming and says, who is this? I need to know him. And here Zacchaeus, verse 3, says he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on the account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Uh, that same word, uh, he was seeking to see who Jesus was. That's the same word uh, when it says that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Uh, this isn't seeking like when you're trying to find your keys and you're just hoping beyond hope that you could find them. It's not wishful thinking. Uh, it, it's, it's a desire, a, a wish, a, a desire to be fulfilled. Jesus came uh, to seek and to save the lost. And here Zacchaeus longs to know who Jesus is. Or as Luke puts, I think somewhat whimsically too, he wants to see who Jesus was, but there's a problem. He's small in stature, as Luke says, uh, as we sing about. And so he goes and he climbs up a sycamore tree. Uh, now, it's, it, it, it's good for us not to lose sight of the... I, I, I think we're supposed to read this somewhat with a smirk. I mean, imagine this, this rich chief tax collector. Imagine you're in downtown Medford, and I don't know who the richest person in Medford is, but imagine they're there. <laughs> and, uh, they're, and you look over... And, the, you know, the, the Parabossum Parade's happening, and, and, and they're climbing a tree. <laughs> uh, and the tree's kind of tottering this way and that way, and you're wondering, what are, what are they doing? They're kind of ripping their suit, and that would be how ridiculous this would seem as Zacchaeus climbs this tree, and people sort of wonder what's happening. Uh, but none of these barriers are going to get in the way of Zacchaeus knowing who Jesus is. He's, he's heard his message. He uh, it, it seems like God's already at work in his heart. 
And so his being a tax collector and an outcast at the time as he taxed his fellow Jews, as we'll see later, he seems to have abusively done it like many did, extorting. Uh, He's rich. That might uh, put him away from many people. The the crowds and and his own height, none of it's going to keep him from uh, seeing who Jesus was. Uh, I remember when uh, when I ministered in, in Jacksonville, we would often we'd have a youth group on a Wednesday night, and if you would hear, you would hear the Brit Festival starting toward the end of youth group as, as the sun started going down, and sometimes we would walk over there to just you know just sort of catch a glimpse of uh, of who was playing, and uh, the the fence used to be shorter. Uh, maybe some of you know that. So uh, so even someone my height could sort of tiptoe and get a glimpse of the band. Um, or my wife could just see the whole thing. Um, but they built the fence taller, which was a bummer, but probably fair. You, you should pay for you know, concerts. Um, and, and so you know, if, if we really wanted to see, we would, go th- we would go to no ends. We would buy a ticket. We would make sure we were there on time. Zacchaeus is doing everything possible to see Jesus. Uh, and as uh, Dave Paul's song was really helpful, it, it points to his heart because he receives Jesus with joy. He receives him with joy. Uh, that's in verse 6. Uh, when, when Jesus says, I must stay in your house today, he receives him with joy. That's a mark of someone who has come to know and love Jesus Christ. And I need to ask you, if you've, if you've been in our church for any period of time, you have heard this gospel call multiple times. Uh, you have seen this Jesus who came to seek and to save the lost. Uh, this Jesus who soon, even in this gospel, will go and give his life on the cross as a ransom for many. Have you joyfully received that? You know, the gospel call is not meant to be like the, the drone of a pre-flight safety presentation on an airplane. Uh, yes, if you could draw your attention, everyone draw your attention to the front. We have a very important safety announcement. You know, one set of eyes goes up. <laughs> We've heard it before. Is that how the gospel lands on you? If the plane was going down and they said, <laughs> uh, please direct your attention to the front as we give you some important safety, every eye would be up. <laughs> every ear would be open. And that's the urgency of the gospel. As, as Jesus comes to seek and to save the lost, as he desires to save his people, if you belong to him, even before the foundation of the world, that means he's calling you by name right now. That means that if he came to seek and to save Zacchaeus, he came to seek and to save you. And if that gospel call tastes sweet to you right now, would you put your faith in Jesus Christ? And then you too will be a son of Abraham. And it will be said of you, today salvation has come to this house. And angels will rejoice in heaven. Jesus came to seek and to save seekers, those whom he gives a desire for him. Number three, Jesus came to seek and to save outcasts. He came to seek and to save outcasts. And in some sense, we've already highlighted this. Zacchaeus, this chief tax collector, this person who has extorted uh, his friends and neighbors probably has very few friends and neighbors left other than probably other tax collectors of whom he competes with. You know, you've all received that uh, message from a longtime friend that you haven't heard from from a long time, and, 
And it, and it sounds good, like, hey, you know, I, I, we haven't talked in a long time. I'd love to reconnect. And, and you take the bait and say, oh, great, you know, how's it going? And then the next thing that shows up is a link <laughs> to a, a website that's even, like, shaped like a pyramid, you know? <laughs> They're like, you should buy these products that go in this pyramid shape. Uh, okay, it's not that obvious, but uh, it, it's very clear that they don't actually want to know you. Uh, they just think, I, I want to get something out of uh, these, uh, my, uh, my friends. It, it, that's just a small taste uh, for Zacchaeus to be a chief tax collector uh, would be to be occupied by a foreign power and now your fellow citizen is taxing you and you know they're taxing you at a higher rate so that they could get some out of it. Imagine that. That's Zacchaeus. This is a huge barrier. This puts him on the outs of his society, just as the blind beggar was on the outs of his society. His sin was obvious in a visible way. And so this is one of many times that people grumble. But look with me in verse 5. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now, this happens time and time again in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Jesus graciously comes to the house often of a tax collector specifically, but also other sins, uh, repentant sinners who are turning away from it, coming to Christ, and other people grumble. They grumble at the grace of God. They grumble uh, at, at his work. It's interesting, in the story of the blind beggar, the wording is very similar in verse 43. Uh, the blind beggar recovers his sight and follows Jesus, and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. In some ways, that was easier. Sure, a blind beggar is sort of on the outs of society because we're not quite sure how to help them, and it you know, makes us feel awkward, but, oh, his sight's back, so we're good. <laughs> what about this tax collector who still has his job, <laughs> seemingly at this point? Uh, we can't accept this. We can't accept that Jesus would want to come and sit here. Yeah, this is why Jesus has come. He, say, he, he says that he came to call sinners to repentance. He, he's like a doctor coming to sick people. He doesn't come to people who don't think they need treated. Those are the worst patients. And it's interesting, if you look at all the meals, and there's many in, in Luke, and you can go to the other Gospels as well, um, you know, Jesus is often sitting and eating with people, um, so much so that in Luke 4, uh, he is uh, said to be a, a glutton and a drunkard who eats with sinners and tax collectors. That's how people viewed him. But it's so interesting. They're, they're grumbling at sitting with tax collectors and other uh, sinners. But it, it, by tally, there are more times that Jesus sits with the Pharisees and religious leaders for a meal. And, and Luke highlights this. Um, uh, these are the people in Luke eighteen nine that it says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. And then time and time again in the Gospel of Luke, it says Jesus sat down with the Pharisees. He sat down with the, the tax collectors. He would tell parables. Uh, he would cut to the heart. He, he, was, he was seeking, even desiring that some of them would come to know him. 
And those self-righteous who were here grumbling should have asked, why would Jesus sit with me? Why would he come to my house? And here he is coming to the house of Zacchaeus, showing that he came to seek and to save the lost, those who are on the outs of society, who come to him by faith. And it's a good question for us to grapple with. I think any church needs to ask this question. Who would be the least likely person to walk through those doors on a Sunday morning? Who would feel least comfortable coming in our doors and and sitting in these squeaky seats and hearing the gospel? Or to put it another way, what what barriers would you be comfortable with? There's going to be barriers. And, and, and not every church can reach every person in the same way, so don't hear what I'm not saying. But would you be comfortable with these kinds of barriers, stopping someone from coming to Trinity and hearing the gospel? Uh, who they voted for in the last three years? Are you comfortable with that being a barrier? Economic status. And I don't just mean it being hard if someone comes and we're not sure how to care for them who are poor, but maybe someone who comes and they've been very blessed by the Lord or they are on their fourth business and want to tell you about it. (laughs) You know, we can easily fall into, well, you know, we're sort of a church that we're kind of in the middle and so would you be comfortable with either one stopping someone from coming or their occupation uh, or where they, how they educate their children? Are you comfortable with that as a barrier? Whether someone is part of the public school system or private school system or homeschooling, would you be okay with that being a barrier? Or their age, their place of life, whether they have kids or not, is that a good barrier? Or their past, what they've struggled with in the past, what Christ has brought them out of, or maybe harder, their current struggles with sin. What about their theological convictions? whether they agree with you know, the leadership of this church on infant baptism or whether they even know what Reformed theology means. Uh, it was interesting, at, at, at one of our regional meetings, I, uh, we were sitting around the pastors and elders, and someone said, who grew up in a Reformed church? These are the pastors and elders in the OPC. And I think three hands went up. Who grew up in an OPC church? Like one hand <laughs> went up. Most of us grew up in more broadly evangelical, faithful, gospel-preaching churches. And we're thankful that God has brought us to what we think is a biblical understanding. And yet how easily we can come into the Reformed door and then sort of just, as, just demand that anyone else walking through that door is just already Reformed, as if God wasn't patient with us over time. R.B. Kuyper, in his, his book, The Glorious Body of Christ, he he, he speaks of, you think of that vision in Revelation, the new heavens and the new earth, every tribe, tongue, and nation, every kind of person will be a part of Christ's body, and every local church on some level should, should point to that. Uh, no church should be comfortable if one of those things we just listed just kind of keeps that kind of person away as a rule. And Jesus came to seek and to save Zacchaeus, tax collectors, sinners, Pharisees, poor, rich, Jews, Gentiles, and, and he's doing that in our midst. 
And let's continue to reflect on that. What, what might he be calling us to as a church as we serve the Jesus who came to seek and to save outcasts? Number four, he came to seek and to save the repentant. He came to seek and to save the repentant. And this is what the Pharisees and the rulers miss. They say he, he sits with tax collectors and sinners. The implication is he's approving of their sin. Look at him. You know, Jesus is very lax. He's, he's telling the world that their sin doesn't really matter. You could extort your fellow man and, and it's fine. But that's not Jesus' message. He would often, as he ministered to people, his message was a message of grace and of go and sin no more. Uh, he, he sees the heart of Zacchaeus who is repentant. To repent means to turn one, uh, 180 degree, to, to change the mind, to change the heart. And Zacchaeus shows what John earlier in Luke in three, chapter 3 verse 8 calls bearing fruit and keeping with repentance. Uh, that those whose hearts are changed, it just flows out. Fruit grows from it in a powerful way. Uh, look at verse 8. Well, first notice that Zacchaeus seems to just blow right past. I mean, people are grumbling. Oh, he's gone to be a guest of a sinner. And it's as if Zacchaeus just stands up and says, well, anyway, <laughs> behold, Lord. Like, he just ignores that, and he calls him Lord just like the blind beggar did. He sees Jesus for who he is. Behold, Lord, you're my Lord. The half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. This is pretty incredible. It's in contrast to the rich ruler who goes away sad when Jesus says, give everything you have to the poor, come follow me. Uh, he is sad and says, but I, I love my stuff. <laughs> Zacchaeus is not sad, but zealous. Uh, he has found Jesus. He has found life. He sees his own sin and he immediately, unprompted, wants to make it right. He wants to bring restitution. And he knows his Old Testament and he's going above and beyond. In the Old Testament law, it would be something more like a 20% increase on something. If you defrauded someone, uh, even the worst defrauding, extorting them, which is what the word here means, the same thing the Roman soldiers uh, do, extorting. But here he gives a half of his goods, and he restores uh, things fourfold. Right? When love overflows in this kind of generosity, especially toward the poor, but uh, in, in, in making right. You know, a, a, a mother preparing for her child's uh, birthday party, uh, the question on her mind uh, isn't, what is just the bare minimum that I can do that would just get my kid off my back about this birthday coming up, that would satisfy them? Maybe it does feel like that sometimes. But uh, the mother who loves her child is, is certainly has a budget, but is thinking, how could I show my love for my child uh, in, in, in a thoughtful gift, in a, in a party with their friends? Uh, love abounds in this kind of fruit, and it did for Zacchaeus, and it should for us. Jesus came to seek and to save the repentant. And lastly, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. And of course, we've been saying this for the whole message and the whole passage, but look in verse 5 with me quickly. It says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. We've seen that word before, when Jesus says, I must. In Greek, this is what we call the, uh, the divine must. This is Jesus' purpose. 
This is why he came. This is who he is. He says, I must stay in your house today. Uh, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Earlier in Luke, I I came to proclaim the good news to the poor. I, I came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. I was sent for this purpose. I came to call the righteous Uh, not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is his very purpose. Uh, This is his mission. Uh, And therefore, it should be ours as well as he uses us. Uh, Gihardus Voss, a wonderful author, writes about this exact passage to remind us that when Jesus says he came to seek and to save the lost, he, he doesn't just mean... Uh, He certainly does mean, but he doesn't just mean uh, that he came to call uh, sinners uh, to repentance in the sense of conversion. We're not a believer when they walked in. They were a believer when they left that day. That's certainly the the entrance into the kingdom. But uh, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. This continues. His ministerial work continues in our life. I hear the words of of Voss here. Uh, Nothing is causal here. Every moment, every circumstance, every person that our Lord touched became fraught by that touch with a profound actuality and an eternal significance. And because this is so, you and I can come to the story of 2,000 years ago and find a present salvation there, an ever-open door to the house of peace and hope. These are not strange, outlandish scenes and surroundings we are invited to. It is the familiar ground of sin and salvation, those who people it are flesh of our flesh and bone of our bone. And the Savior who comes to meet them and their persons meets us and transacts his business with us individually about matters of eternal importance. When we come to the story of Zacchaeus, like any other story, we find a present salvation there, an open door to the house of peace and hope. Jesus didn't just come to seek and to save you in the past tense. Praise God, that would be enough. (laughs) But he is your Savior. When he says to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house, he says that to you today as a believer. Today salvation has come to you. If you have seen Jesus, even now in the preaching of the word. And remember that salvation, as we looked at with the blind beggar, it certainly means salvation from sin, from death. But the term is, is broader. Uh, remember uh, there, he says, your faith has made you well. And it's, it's the same word. Jesus is at work now. He is at the right hand of the Father now, interceding for you. The same Savior who came to seek and to save Zacchaeus is at work in your life if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And that means as he does that work, as we pray for him to do that work, even here in this church, what would we see? We'd see that sinners are forgiven, that seekers are sought, that outcasts are welcomed, that the repentant bear fruit, that the lost are found, that faith is bolstered, that sin is put to death, that hearts are changed, that his church is strengthened, that his kingdom would come even in our midst. Today, salvation has come to this house. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and that it points us time and again to Jesus Christ himself, 
the word of life. I pray that no believer would be able to walk out today not being reminded, tasting and seeing once again that you are good. I pray for those who have heard your gospel call and it has sounded sweet for the first time that they would take hold of Christ who came to seek and to save them. We pray that your, uh, we would see your salvation, your kingdom more and more in the life of our church and our f- families and our own hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.